welcome back to anyone who's listening. Mm-hmm. Thanks for returning. Yeah. We realised last episode that it was a bit of a mixed bag of everything, wasn't it? And I think we were just trying to get as much as we could into it, introduce ourselves, who we are, what we do, bit of camera chat, a bit of this, bit of that. Whereas on this one, we thought we'll make it a bit more focused on something, won't we? So for someone listening, they can look at the name of the podcast and go, oh, that sounds interesting, rather yeah. than be promised something and then have 35 minutes of shite surrounded by it. So Yeah, I mean, it was an intro on it and it was the first time yeah. we were doing it and trying to try and navigate what to say and, and yeah. get used to talking like this. Episode two of It's Take Two. Yeah, I'm still, still unsure on the name. I like it. I know, but was it yesterday I sent you a thing? Yeah. It's like there's a new video game coming out called It Takes Two. The popularity is just going to keep increasing because other things are helping us, yeah. So really? people are going to Google It Takes Two for the game and yeah. then they're going to go, oh, there's a podcast as well. Let's give it a listen. I don't know if you noticed this morning, so today, the day of recording this, we started teasing episode one, didn't we? Yeah. Or the pilot, shall we say. And... I added the hashtag it's take two podcast so that'll separate it a little bit so rather than just hashtag it's take two um, and our Instagram is also at it takes two it's take two podcast I mean if we can't get it right we're screwed aren't we no one else is going to get it right so who sponsored us for this week the sponsor of the week I noticed some some cardboard boxes at the door we've got some freebies what have we got that's just my recycling is it yeah yeah, I'm I'm just as annoyed as you are. So Episode two now, we've not got a sponsor yet now. Right. Maybe we should post the podcast first. That might help getting sponsors. Yeah. Rather than just saying, we've got an Instagram page with seven <laughs> followers. Can we have some free stuff? So in lieu of a sponsor, yeah, maybe it's a good time to give a shout out to some people who want to say thanks to, like a, like a radio show. Yeah. And this episode's going to be focused more on Among the Living, which is the feature film that we made a few years ago. Yeah. And there's one person in particular that I think all of us would just like to give. Yeah, but we shouldn't do shout-outs for me and you <laughs> because we're already on the podcast. I think we should do it to someone but, who's not oh, on the right, podcast. Oh, right, yeah. Okay, if yeah. that's all right. No, that's fine, yeah. I mean, I don't mind no, if, if you want to no, do No, just go for it, it's fine. So I think we should shout-out to Cheryl, Cheryl, Shelley and Rob from Shez Cakes and Bakes hey, because they did there. the catering for... Among the Living, mm. and it was probably one of the best bits of the shoot, wasn't it? We were looking forward to lunch. and yeah. Ra- yeah. We always had hot food. Even when we're shooting out in the hills and woods and places like that, they always managed to get hot food. Always had pudding as well. Yeah, oh, those Victoria yeah. sponges. Catering I think it's a one big of the, part. Yeah, one of the most important things on a, a set that size as well. And, low, you know, when people aren't working for full rates or people are volunteering the time, mm. feeding them well goes such a long way. If you have to spend money anywhere, it should probably be there. Yeah. Because the the energy that you get from people and, and the passion, if you're looking after them and feeding them well, it just helps so much. Yeah. So, to Shez Cakes and Bakes. Cheers. To Shez. Are we cheers? Or not? Yeah, we'll, we'll cheers then clap. Oh, very in sync. In the world of filmmaking... Let's hand over to our <laughs> tent reporter, Rob Lurdy. Yeah. yeah. Well, Anything, I, what, what's come out this week that's tickled your fancy a bit? <laughs> um, XH2 came out, the new Fuji. Mm-hmm. Um, 8K. So for all those people who listened to the episode one, they'll know I'm not really interested in that. Um, FX30's been rumoured. What it looks like it's going to be is basically the Sony FX3, but Super 35. 
so kind of same body and same design and everything, but just a smaller sensor. Obviously, you've got an FX6, A7S3. Would you go back to Super 35 or are you kind of full frame now? I think I'm converted. And like we we started out, didn't we? When we got a GH5 and stuff, we was all we had those chats going. Oh, you need is micro four thirds, you know. Get a get a Metabone sticker Sigma eighteen thirty five on. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of truth in that, though. Yeah, there is. But then we've kind of I think visually as well, just that the look of full frame is very nice. And I know it's a very generic thing to say, but when I showed you the shots of the wedding earlier on, and that you know the shot of the um, confetti, that's it. That's the F two eight. It looks stunning. I think that's the thing, and it? it's for me. It's not necessarily about the shots you can get because you can get them on most sensor sizes. Obviously, if you get down to like two thirds inch, it starts getting out. Yeah, like you say, GH five MFT. If you stick on a Voigtlander or Olympus Pro one point two, you can get similar looking shots. What's nice about full frame is how easy it is to get it on those. Yeah. Having a a twenty four seventy two point eight, and you've got shallow depth of field on a zoom lens. Yeah, with good quality. That's the most appealing thing, yeah. I think. Aside from like the increased low light, increased dynamic range and things like that, that's mm. always a big factor. But I don't even think size is an issue anymore for, for us and what we do. Like Back then, we just wanted to be as light and portable as possible. Whereas yeah. now we're stepping up our game as freelancers. You know, I've, I mean, I've got an FX6. It's not just a handheld mirrorless yeah. type of shooting anymore. So the lens sizes and things like that with full frame versus micro four thirds or APS-C, that's not an issue anymore for me. Full frame to MFT, there's, there's quite a big size difference. But I think day-to-day -day shooting, it doesn't really bother me. So the FX30, are you going to be interested or not? I think if I didn't have a camera and I was on the look for one, possibly. Because the specs aren't confirmed yet, are they? It's all still rumours at the moment. Yeah. yeah, the things that drew me towards the A7 and the FX6 were some of the specs that were going to be in, or are going to be in the FX30. I guess price is a big one as well. Yeah, apparently it's going to be under two grand. Um, That'll intrigue a lot of people who or have maybe under three. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it's cheaper yeah. than the FX3. That'll intrigue a lot of people who look at the A7S3, the FX3, and go, I "Can't afford that." Mm. Be tempting for a lot of people, I think. We'll chat about the film now. Yeah, Among the Living, and out now. Oh, it might be actually. Might be. Hey, yeah. Depends when this goes up. Maybe. Have a look. Have a Google. Yeah, see, there's one from 2014, it's not that. And for those listening, we'll just quickly go through what this podcast and this episode is going to mostly consist of, because if it sounds like something you're interested in, um, then you can keep listening. But basically, we're going to talk about how the film was made, maybe pick out a few key scenes that, from a lighting perspective that we can analyse, go through Yeah, how we worked around certain issues that we had. And I think the style of the shoot is also a big one, because... yeah. And in, then into the kit as well, kind of camera yeah. lighting. Because it's myself as director and you as DP will kind of focus on visuals and kit and we'll give a little brief Our relationship overview. as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then what we'll do is we've got um Dean who's the lead actor, he's mentioned coming on, we'll we'll do a like a guest podcast with him. Yeah. Got Ollie and Kate, the producers, we could bring them on as well. So it's like the biggest project we've done up to this point, so we will talk about it and there's it was the biggest learning curve as well, wasn't it? Yeah, and you know, when before we went into it, I was trying to listen to all the advice I could find on doing a low-budget indie feature. And so hopefully, you know, there'll be people out there who are planning theirs or in the stages of theirs and who will find this useful Yeah, to hear what we've learned. We touched on it last episode, didn't we, about yeah the film that you directed 
two years ago. Yeah. And it's been over a year since the casting crew screening, I noticed. It was August, wasn't it? End of August last year, the casting crew screening. So we've just been kind of sat on it since then. And this is kind of an interesting bit to talk about is because we never anticipated working on this sort of stuff, but deliverables and things like that. Getting it ready to pass on to the next stage, which in our case is a distributor. Yeah, we had the casting crew screening end of August. I don't think we got everything over to them until... July this year, mm-hmm. getting through all of the deliverables and adjusting stuff, fixing things. So really quickly, what do you need? Well, to, it's all as the, a deliverable package for all the marketing it. stuff. You need all the pictures, um, stills, anything like that. The legal side of it, contracts, everything like that, ready to go. But getting into the actual film, so you need a original aspect ratio version, which for us was like the one ninety to the seventeen by nine. Mm. You need that and you need it with different audio tracks. So you need left, right, stereo, 5.1 surround sound, and then left and right music and effects so mm-hmm. that you can dub it across. Then you need that again, but with a 16 by 9 aspect ratio. Original aspect ratio, I think, again, or maybe a 16 by 9 version, but without any text or textless. So that way, if they send it to... You know, if they're putting it for a foreign market, they can put the, the name of the film on, but in yeah. a different language. It's a long list. Mm-hmm. And so that's something worth thinking about. You know, if you're going into doing a, a feature film like this and you're looking at distribution, that's definitely... It's not just a Vimeo link, is it, that you yeah, send to exactly. the world? Go, yeah, there you go. it's just not one, not one export that you can put on where you transfer and send them. <laughs> Even if you're not sure if you're going to sell it, I think get a deliverables list together from the moment you finish the film and or even the moment you start editing the film, you can mm. actually start putting stuff together so that when you get to that point, it's way easier. When it comes to the audio splits for the deliverable, we had a experience at a festival, didn't we? Where uh, yeah. We'd created a DCP, which is basically a file format for cinemas that they use. We were screening at this film festival. What they said was, if you send us a file of the film, we can create our own DCP and we'll play it that way. I said, all right, no problem. So what I sent was a DNX file with 5.1 stereo on all the mono channels. So you had all six channels there. They made a DCP. I emailed again saying, can you just check it? I was just worried that something was going to go wrong. Yeah. The start of the film, for those who haven't seen it, is the screen's totally black and then audio starts happening and audio goes crazy and there's sort of voiceover, helicopters flying and stuff like that. A big montage of audio, yeah. isn't it? It's it's really, really nicely done by the sound designer Max. At this point, I've seen the film thousands of times and I'm like, I feel like dialogue should have started at this point. Where, why isn't Dean saying, Dad, that's the first line. I feel like at this point it's happened. You turned to me, didn't you? And said, yeah. There's no dialogue. There's no dialogue. Now, for those who don't know our friendship, we like to joke about a bit. Yeah, and you laughed, didn't you? We're quite dry. I laughed it off thinking you're like, oh, you're just trying to shit me up. Mm. So I was just like... <laughs> and then a few seconds later... And then the opening shot comes on and there's definitely meant to have been dialogue by that point and there's still nothing. And you came back to me and was like, no, there's no audio and, and I then could see it in your face. I was o- like... Ollie appeared. He kind of <laughs> appeared out the row like that and looked down and I was like, what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> and I went over to the guy who was sat in the screen in like the, the festival director. I was like... It, there should be dialogue. Yeah. And he was like, well, there should be dialogue now. I said, yeah. They turned it off. And how long were people waiting around for? Five, a good half an hour? Half hour, yeah. yeah. And bearing in mind, there was members of the public as well, because it's public festival. Yeah. The people who aren't part of our group, they're not going to last long. Like, what's no. their patience? We don't know those people. Yeah. So there was an element of, 
people are going to leave here and it's yeah. not it's not our fault and it ended up just being like an 8-bit video from Luckily, Google I had, Drive. Yeah, didn't I had it? an offline, offline screen on OneDrive. <laughs> they played it on the laptop, hooked up through HDMI. I was like, oh, all right, fine. I mean, at least there's fucking dialogue, you know. I mean, it looked all right, to be fair. I was yeah. quite impressed with yeah. an 8-bit file. It looked fine on the screen. And it was going all right. And I was like, oh, thank God for that. It's, yeah, it's fine. Until... Someone appeared on screen that wasn't meant to be in the film. You're eligible for BT Ultimate Broadband. <laughs> BT Broadband pop-up. It was like, what is this? Yeah. And, yeah I uh, think it, it's shown three times. Three times, it? yeah. And we were kind of y- laughing it y- off because yeah. we were saying... We knew that if in however many years' time or months' time when we're doing a world-famous podcast, yeah. we're going to chat about this, laugh about it. Yeah. What was it like for you directing because this was your first feature yeah that you directed what was it like directing a feature with the the shooting schedule and the the, the way we shot for this film because it wasn't necessarily there was a lot of not reactive filmmaking but we was trying we was picking up scenes which we thought worked at the time in certain locations and we worked out the shots there and then didn't we we didn't really do a full recce beforehand and know going into a scene how yeah. we're going to shoot that how did you find that I could watch it in my mind of what we were doing, but we did have to be we did have to change stuff up and be totally reactive and plan it on the day. But I had a full shot list for everything, so I knew that if if we get there and we have a, a total block and we don't know what we're doing, then at least I can just look at my shot list and I've got it all covered. I tried to just do each scene as it was and just and not to think we're doing a feature and we've got another thirteen days left or whatever. I just tried mm. to focus on the scene that we were doing know what scene was coming before and after so that we know what's going to be editing before and after and then just try and get the scene done and get it out and just kind of chip away at it. The reactive kind of filming worked well with the style because we were going for that social realism, handheld, very gritty, and so it worked well for that. So there was a lot of handheld for you and Ollie, yeah. the other camera op. But it, it worked well and it, it suited the style. I like of that it. style of shooting as well. We, and, yeah, we know yeah, that yeah. I'm a big fan of the old handheld look. Going in with that as well, we shot multicam. So, I mean, we were up to four cameras at one point. A lot of the time, you know, if it was conversations and stuff like this, we'd shoot multi-camera. But even then, action scenes, we'd have an A cam, which was the primary shot generally on the shot list that we wanted. Mm. And then we would add a B camera in wherever we could. Or sometimes we could combine two shots on the shot list. For that fourth camera, for some of the mirrorless yeah. users out there, Linux S1 made an appearance twice. For the yeah. bulb scene? 95% of it, 95, 96% was shot on the Evo ones. But there was a few different cameras there. Like you say, S1 was used for the, the tracking stuff and the bulb stuff. Which, with that, I we had to get that shot really quick, didn't we? Because it was towards the end of the, yeah, end of the, the night. Yeah, the kids were tired, yeah. I had about three minutes to set this up on the gimbal, get it balanced, things like that. And we only had one lens as well for that. But yeah, which was... Because I'd only had the camera about two months. Yeah. But I got it in June. And I was trying to get you to buy uh, an MC yeah, 11 adapter. So like, well, you're going to get it at one point. You may as well get yeah. it before. And I, and I stuck to my guns. And it was the 24105 f4 lens. It wasn't very well balanced because I can remember I was rushing because I wanted to get my Ninja 5 up on it as well so I could probably see it. I'd never really tested the camera out fully because I'd only had it six, seven weeks. Yeah. And we just had to bang the ISO up to about 10,000 with it being at f4. And we got the shots. And I could remember just walking down from there back to the cabin going, I'd spent so long knowing that, that that's the scene that you loved 
and yeah. you wanted it to look very you like, exactly how I want it I yeah. was like we need these tracking shots behind yeah. all these lights yeah and yeah. I can remember thinking that's not it like I was so I was disappointed in myself before I'd looked at the footage yeah. and I was like I feel like I'd let you down a bit because I just thought it's going to look crap because I'd not tested out the low light on that camera. Yeah. Then I think it was a, a, that night, wasn't that it? That night I edited it together and did a quick grade. But yeah, we watched it that night and it looked awesome. We also shot on Blackmagic Pocket 4K for the lake stuff because that was the cheapest camera we had access to that, that, was, that would cut into a feature. Yeah. And, and if it got drowned exactly. in the lake. Yeah, I didn't want to yeah. take an either out there. Yeah. And it's one of the best shots, I think. That, it is. That's the Black Magic Pocket with the Olympus 17 1.2, and it's just amazing. It's a gorgeous shot, isn't it? Yeah. The backdrop and everything. The colours on it is just, yeah. This was your first feature as DP. How did you find it? I can remember being nervous, and I said this on the last episode. It was it was nerve-wracking going into it. Yeah. Because, it, well, I mean, I'm sure it would have been for all of us, to be fair, for different reasons, but the thought of it being a feature there was enough excitement in the idea of what we're doing to keep motivating you to be like no it's going to be it's going to be fine you're not you know you're good enough to do this yeah we've all been given the chance to do it and, it and it's worked out well but yeah i loved it there was a lot to learn and luckily with you also having experience dp in yeah never a feature though but in terms of the lighting side more for me was something that i learned a lot of chatting with you on set at the time to be labelled as a DP, you know, you kind of, you need to know what you want because, you know, time's always going to be against you on mm. sets. If you've only got 45 minutes to set up, half an hour to set up, you ideally want to know what you want to do. If that was wrong and we got the actors in and going, oh shit, no, we need to move those lights. We need to take that scrim down and put it onto a different window or anything like that. Then, you know, it's going to impact the rest of the day. That kind of played into how we shot it though because we, we tried to light for the room didn't we so that we did yeah. have that flexibility especially like the way George likes to work obviously he's done a lot of Shane Meadows stuff and there's a lot of that kind of improv and reaction and things like that just trying to think back to the cabin where we did black stuff out and we tried to blanket light areas so that they could move around and stuff like that yeah how did you find that because that's harder isn't it you know when you watch behind the scenes videos on YouTube of big films being made and They've got these huge sets and say if you're in the National History Museum, when we've been in there and we're looking at how to light it, you've got all these huge lights. You've got, you know, the M18s coming down, you know, and with that type of lighting and that crew size and kit available, it's easier, I think. Yeah. Whereas with our location, even though they were smaller, it was the first time we'd rarely done it wasn't it in terms of lighting for the room yeah so we were trying to use what we'd know and what we'd seen online from these higher bigger budget films and try and bring that into the smaller scale in which we're we're limited we can't move a window if we wanted to move a window whereas Mm. in studios you can we were limited to what was there and we had to work with that there were times when we'd set up for lighting and we'd think it's not quite working is it and then we either change it with the time i have left or we simplify it a lot yeah. Which with the the scene in the in the cabin at the end. Yeah, and it was it was kind of a two under one it kind of similar setup to how me and you are now. Yeah. We didn't have a boom arm, we didn't have anything. So in the end we we had the Aladdin four by one, the flexible light. And do you remember we literally tied it on with a bit of um just a bit of string. Yeah. There was a, a, a beam on there. Yeah. And it was made it far side lighting, which 
was great. Yeah, looks looked great. Yeah, and lit both of them, and and that was it. That's that's all we did for lighting on that scene. Whereas beforehand, we were getting lights through the windows. We were yeah. trying to add a bit of ambient into the room, yeah. just general ambience. Then you know, give them some key light in each. It, no. There was a lot, and we were already behind. Yeah, stripped it back, and I think it and it, quite and it nice. meant shooting it. We were faster as well, and we could have. That's the one where we had four cameras. And yeah. I remember you put your S1 down and, and you said, oh, it'd be good to get a hand shot. Yeah. It's like, oh, I mean, we're not going to use it. It's not in shot list. And then I remember in the edit, I was just thinking, oh, it'd be nice to have, you know, it's something here where she drops her hand down and yeah, so smug. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Just popped a, popped in this little hand shot that Joe had got on his S1. It worked a treat. Comes in handy. Yeah. That was on the world's most terrifying tripod as well. What was it? Just balanced boxes? Or oh, it like was that? like pillowcases, shoe boxes, books, coasters, <laughs> ten p's. <laughs> like it was just like it was just working its way up, and we was trying to like wedge things under so it was straight. Just angle it a bit more. Yeah. I, totally I can't. <laughs> you know, but it worked. Yeah. Let's get um, nerdy for the geeks who are listening. For people like us, what did we shoot on? What spec? What camera? What lighting did we have? Well, we use what's now your camera. Panasonic EVA1. Yeah. Like I said, we shot most of it on that, 98% easy. Mm-hmm. Lens-wise, the Sigma 18-35 and the Sigma 50-100. to And we had chats prior to shooting, didn't we, whether we go primed or, you know, zoom, cine-zooms, and we kind of came to the conclusion that the style of shooting that we'd just spoken about in terms of, you know, quick-paced and quite reactive if we need to move or whatever. Yeah. Having that flexibility to zoom in, zoom out helped us massively, didn't it? Yeah, it it was, I mean, it was so good. It was also because we were, there were times where we were tracking up mountains and stuff to shoot and taking a box of of primes and things like that would have been a nightmare. But being able to have an 18-35 on most of the time, to be, I I feel like most of the time we had 18-35 on the A cam and then we had a 50-100 to on the B cam. Yeah. Because we like oh. to shoot mids closer with a wider angle, don't we? We like shooting 35 yeah. a lot rather than, oh, we need a close-up 85, 85 or yeah. it's having, you know, we visually prefer that as well. So that, yeah, that 1835 was on our camera for 80% yeah. of, you know, the A cam yeah. for a lot of stuff. Well, was it the end of the... Was it the end of the block? Yeah, this was, it was the, wasn't it? This was the last day, and, and this was a good lesson: is don't don't schedule a big scene as your last scene because yeah, we'd done so well with the scheduling up until that, and most of the time we were ahead of schedule. But then we had a big scene on the last day, and um, we had Emily coming in, who's an amazing actress, but to come in onto a set where everyone else has done 13, 14 days, Dean's. Like in, he knows his character inside out, yeah. And for her to have to kind of jump in and go straight into a heavy scene, that was bad plan on our part, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's not just taking into consideration you've got X amount of hours in a day. We need, you know, these scenes plus these scenes equals that amount. It's working out how to prioritize the scenes, yeah, for both cast and crew. Yeah, we were getting towards the end of the shoot day, weren't we? And yeah, we'd got the scene in terms of how you wanted it from a performance point of view and we'd, we'd got the master we'd got the mids i was pushing for close-ups weren't i yeah for the last 20 minutes or so eventually he was like right let's get them let's get them and we'd, we'd got some hadn't we that that was the thing of yeah we, we definitely wanted close-ups but i didn't feel like 
we'd got the scene until we'd, we'd got it, if that made sense. Yeah. And we were kind of rehearsing and shooting at the same time. And so I finally said, right, yeah, we've got it. Let's do a close-up. And we got the 50s out. I'd never put a lens on as quick as I, know, I have I know. at that point. But, and, I, but I feel like, you know, because the performances change so much and the characters change so much across them seven takes that if we'd have gone to close-ups halfway through, we'd have really struggled to mm. intercut them because it would have felt so disjointed. So I guess one of the things that we learned then as a, as a parent, as a deep-in director, is whilst I'm there trying to focus about the coverage and making sure we've got the shots and the angles that we need as a scene, you're there making sure that the performance is right and that's something that we realise we have to work together to get right, don't we? Yeah, the director's job is getting that consistency so that if you if you start on a, a wide shot and then end up on a close-up that you shot two hours later, getting that consistency of character is, is key and so that's one of the things we kind of learnt from that. So we've got our first question. Here we go. Because I'll admit, the the tweet last week that I made that up, I just wanted to make us sound more popular than we were. So we've got a question from Callum. Thank you, Callum. Thank you. He's done a very good, he sent a very good message actually, because he's not only given us a question. He's given us an answer. Asked, no, <laughs> he's given us clarity as well. So this is setting the bar for really, audience questions, isn't it? Yeah. Callum's question is, what role does marketing play in your thoughts when thinking about shooting a film self-funded and managed? Clarity. <laughs> As your filmmakers, not marketers, and you don't have a whole team, is it something you don't is it something you think about a lot or does it come after the fact? Is it important with smaller budget indie films? Is this diff- how many questions do you want, Callum? Selfish. Is this different from big companies? Taking up time from all the other I know, questions. Save some room. Gee whiz. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm terrible at marketing. I'm rubbish at I'm rubbish at social media. You're a bit better. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs. No. I just, the people love me. What can I say? <laughs> you're, no. you're, you've, you got into SEO when you were doing your website, didn't you? I did. Yeah, to be fair. You need to fix mine, to be honest. I'll sort of, yeah. It's all yeah. about keywords, mate. But yeah, from a marketing perspective then, what was it something you thought about then whilst you were, I'm guessing during the post-production stage, when do you start teasing the public that you've made a film? I think for us, it was more a focus on marketing material. So that when someone then came in to start marketing it, that they would have stuff to work with. That was the main thing from my point of view. So that meant getting a good stills photographer up, like Alex Woodcock, um, who does kind of the stuff for us. Getting him on and not just getting behind the scenes shots and things like that, but getting character portraits and stuff with them together and, and things like that so that marketers can do their work. It was more about that rather than me thinking, oh, this would make a great poster or anything like that. Mm. I was conscious of getting the stuff for other people to work with. Because like I say, I don't know anything about it. Mm. I'm not good at it. I don't particularly have a passion for it. And so it was just enabling other people to be able to do it. So we're done. Episode two. We are. Thanks for listening again. Hopefully you've learned some stuff. Um, I know, like we said, it's been very focused on the film that we made but I think there's a lot to learn isn't there in especially our first feature we learned a lot and we just want to pass that on to you you guys listening yeah and like I said that's a big talking point for me because that's what I went out looking for I went out looking to hear people talk about that and get advice and see what went wrong mm. and so we probably will talk a bit more about it and we'll, we'll get uh, we'll get guest 
guests in, guest podcasters, I don't know the term, but it will help if if people can send questions in because then it kind of steers us and hopefully this one, this episode has been a bit more professional, not professional, but affordable. <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit more focused. That's next week's sponsor, Tresemme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, we're getting into the swing of it. Maybe, hopefully, it'll get better. So stick with us. If uh, if you do have any questions, we've got the Instagram now. And so that's at It's Take Two Podcast. Yeah. If you want to use the hashtag, then it's the same. It's Take Two Podcast. Yeah. And we've also got Gmail now, Bob. Have we really? We have. That's we've exciting. Gone, oh, yeah. We're aiming to expand that email account and we'll get a sponsor sh- sponsors at... Sponsors at, questions at... Yeah, finance. Yeah, HR. <laughs> we'll just we'll we'll do a few random names. So yeah. like Stuart at it takes two. Make it look like it's team behind two. us. Each domain does cost, so don't you know? Does it really? Yeah, don't. We'll do not that. do that. Then we'll just have the one. Yeah. So it's take two. It's take two at podcast at gmail.com. Oh, it's take two podcast at gmail.com. There yeah. you go. If you've got any questions or stories, I think stories might be a good one. To yeah, listen to. advice, anything, anything you think is relevant. Yeah, because we want to hear other people's stories and tips and tricks don't we we want to learn things as well we want to share our advice but it'd be nice to hear from other yeah, people nice we'll, one you can go and have your lunch have a good week well let's check if these are in focus and then we can go home yeah <laughs>